this is the Sean Yankee Show. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. Today, we've had a national tragedy. Two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center in an apparent terrorist attack. This episode of The Sean Yankee Show is being brought to you by the support of viewers like me. We realize the importance of independent media and truth in this time of mass deceit and propaganda. We have decided to fight for and support it to keep it alive. You can help us in this fight for truth. Contribute at patreon.com forward slash Sean Yankee. Thanks for coming to the show. It'll begin soon. Hey, everybody, get in here. Welcome back to the Sean Yankee Show. I am Sean. And no matter when you're here or where you're at, you are in the right place at the right time. So get comfortable and settle in because you picked a fantastic night to come to our show. Tonight on the Sean Yankee Show is Conspiracy Theories and Show. We hang out and talk conspiracy theories. It's going to be a really good one, too. We're going to get into the Nephilim to start us off, but we could go anywhere. So take part. I love to hear from y'all. So feel free to take part in the show. Please do comment. Let me know what you think about what we discuss and what we get into. But please smash them shits. Don't forget. Do that right now. Hit that like button and share this out. I'm trying to do it right now. That's what you caught me in the middle of doing. I was trying to share, you know, and I just got it to load. Did you hear it when it when it came through the sound? That I just got it to load. This, the intro is not long enough. People tell me all the time. Well, one person tells me all the time that the intro is too long, that I shouldn't even have an intro. I should just get right to business. I got to have time to share and, and do that stuff. But you need to do that, too. It's very important to help out and support this show. And that stuff really does help. Hitting like, sharing it out, commenting, taking part. All that helps us out. And it's important to help and support this show. This show is one of the last havens left for truth in this time of mass deception. And we put the truth first here. 
We believe that if it can be destroyed by the truth, then it should be. And that makes us unpopular because people don't like the truth. The enemy fears it and the sheep flee from it. People don't want the truth. They say, say they do, but they really don't. What they want is constant reassurance that what they believe is true. And, you know, we live in a world where authenticity is met with rejection. And where speaking the truth is met with disdain and exclusion. We're bombarded with messages telling us to conform and to be like everyone else. But we have to resist that temptation. We must be true to ourselves, no matter the cost. And I realize that it takes courage to be authentic in a world that tells you to be fake. It takes courage to speak the truth. But you have to stand up for what you believe in. Speak the truth. Walk this earth like God sent you. Because the world needs you. You know, we need people that are unafraid to stand up and speak truth to power. People who are willing to make a difference. So if that's you, I encourage you to step up. Stand up. Don't be afraid to be yourself and speak your truth. Be a leader. The world needs you. You know, we're currently at a pivotal moment in history. Whether we continue down the path we're on or we create a new world. And the choice is ours. And we're all about that philosophy here. So if that sounds good to you, welcome home. I'm glad to have you. I'm glad to see you here. And this is a fun night, like I said. Picked a really good night to come. We get into some cool stuff on conspiracy theories and chill. You never know where it'll take us. We could go anywhere. But hello to everyone here at the live and everyone here later on. Most of our views come after the live. So don't feel like you're too late. You can't be late. You cannot be late. So please still take part. I still want to hear from you. But everyone here at the live, hello to you on Rumble as well. I can't put your comments up on the screen on Rumble, but Dion and Night Owl are holding down Rumble right now. And the comment section is much easier to find now. It's right under the video. So if you're over on Rumble, that's where it's at. It's easier to comment over there now. They fixed it. Much better format. So welcome to you. And those of you here on X, used to be Twitter, formerly known as Twitter. Those of you here on X, welcome to you too. Please take part. Take part in the show. I'll be checking in with the comments tonight. And we'll be having a back and forth, figuring out what's going on, you know, trying to get a handle on it. But I think Riley's on to something right here. You know, we only do this once, one night a week, but we are living in a huge conspiracy. Riley, you're right. She said, I think we're living in a huge conspiracy. And she's absolutely right. Robert says he admits the intro is better than live streamers who fuck around for 20 minutes waiting for more people to watch. See, I'm not sitting here going, let's wait, let's wait and see. It's going to wait, give it a minute, see some people show up. You know what I mean? I'm not doing that. So, no notification. I'm sorry. I apologize. Facebook's broken. Actually, it's functioning exactly as built. It's what it's for. It's lifelog. You know, it's Wednesday night. We can get into the truth of it. Facebook is lifelong. It's functioning exactly as it's meant to function. It's meant to fuck with you. 
and it doesn't want to tell you about this show. Like I said, we're one of the last havens for truth. They don't like that. They'll give you something else, you know, something nice, something nice to dumb you down and waste your time. They don't want you opening your mind, thinking about real topics. I did go through the news a little bit. I just want to glaze over it. There's something I want to show you. So I kind of have to set it up. But as you know, there is a shitstorm brewing in Israel. And I don't know how you feel about it. We can get all into that. Most people don't like the way I feel about it. But Israel has now started asking for money. They've Their opening bid is $10 billion. They want $10 billion. And Biden's rushing together a $100 billion aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and, you know, to fund the government as well in our own military. But he's trying to make it happen. So they're wanting $10 billion in emergency military aid. On top of all the support, we're already sending them and we're sending troops. Well, they sent 2,500 Marines to Israel. So it's getting pretty serious. Pretty serious. Especially considering what Israel's doing. There, there's a pretty sick story coming out today about a hospital bombing that. And again, the first casualty of war is truth. So it's propaganda from all sides, I'm sure. But it's really looking like Israel bombed a hospital in Gaza. They're trying to say that the terrorists did it. You know. But it's really looking like the Israelis did and. Upwards of 900 casualties, you know, but they're wanting us to fund that. They're wanting us to give them $10 billion. But this is what I want to show you. There's something I want to show you having to do with the Israel thing. There was a protest. Let me make sure I've got this muted. I'm going to bring it up here. There was a protest at the Capitol. I want to show you a brief news clip. And then talk about it with you and see what you think. But we're going to start with some breaking news on the Capitol. There is a, a Jewish group holding a protest uh, inside uh, inside the office building there uh, where Jay O'Brien is just outside the Capitol. Jay, what's going on behind you? Yeah, guys, the U.S. Capitol is a big complex, so where we're standing is an office building just off of the Capitol. It's where members of Congress have their offices, and this is where the press sets up their cameras. And this is what came just about a half hour ago, a little bit less. You can see demonstrators, actually, Greg, at the tip of my finger there, starting to get removed now by U.S. Capitol Police. These are just the second round of demonstrators that we've seen forcibly removed. Another group was occupying this place where I'm standing at the moment just a, a, not long ago, and Capitol Police removed them because this is where the press sets up their cameras. There were actually some, because they refused to move, were dragged out of here. This is, again, a group that say on the back of their shirts, uh, shirts excuse me, Jews say ceasefire now. There's another sign. You can't see it. It's a little catty corner there that says, let Gaza live. It obviously comes 
in the midst of that ongoing war between Israel and Hamas. It also comes, as you guys mentioned, during a very tense time politically here in the Capitol as Republicans are struggling to pick their next Speaker of the House. And there is pressure on Republicans, they say, to get it done quickly because of ongoing turmoil in the Middle East. And certainly now, this development today on what was already a packed political day here at the Capitol. Okay, I'm just going to pause it there for a second. So, as you can see, this is a huge display, and, and hopefully you noticed earlier when the reporter was talking, they're on the upper level too. So there's people in these t-shirts on both levels of the Capitol here, and they have a huge protest going on, big signs, all kinds of stuff. I wasn't aware of this till earlier today, but this is illegal. You cannot demonstrate inside the Capitol or around the Capitol. In fact, the more I look into it, the more I'm finding that if Capitol Police see you organizing in any way or even see a sign, they take you down, right? They, they shut that shit down immediately. How did they gather all this? How did they put all this together? How did they organize outside the Capitol and get all that in there? And then, as the reporter said, they'd already been there a half hour, right, when he started his little report. And they only cleared out the reporter area. So they got the protesters out of the reporter area so the cameras could set up. And then they're slowly taking them out for the cameras one by one down there. As you see, if you know, if I hit play, you'll be able to see it again. Where They're just slowly taking them out. They're letting them demonstrate. This is very suspicious to me. It's very suspicious to me that they were able to set this protest up. You know, when I first saw it, you know, Joan sent this to me earlier. When I first saw it. I was like, okay, cool, a Jewish protest about a ceasefire in the Capitol. Nice. I like that because I don't like war. I'm not really for that. And I also like seeing Jewish people stand up against what Israel's doing. So it checked two boxes for me, and I went to brush it off. And then the more I looked into it, the more it became suspicious. And then John was saying something earlier about, you watch, none of these people are going to do long-term prison sentences or be locked up for this. Because this is illegal. You're not allowed to do this. And I just don't understand how they were able to get it going. How they were able to get in there and set up and, and organize it. You know what I mean? How is that possible? I don't really think it is. I think we're being messed with, you know? Well, let me see. Babel says just cops not doing their job. Someone let it slip. That was a lot of people, though, Babel's. That was hundreds of protesters in T-shirts. Like maybe they maybe they had overcoats on and they exposed the matching T-shirts at the last second. But the, the Capitol Police are like trained to take that down. You're not allowed to protest around the Capitol. Good thought. Now, actually, it was a Jewish group, Gene. I, I forget the name of the group, but maybe if I bring up the news story again, they'll say it. But it was a Jewish group. And yes, did we forget to say hello to Gabe? I'm sorry if I did. Hello, Gabe. Gabe is our show ambassador on Facebook. I hope I didn't forget Gabe. I try not to forget anybody. It's just a very busy night tonight, which I like. I do appreciate that. But please take part. Hello. How are you, Ty? Good to see you. Nice. I'm glad you could be here, Jana. 
it's a good night. This is conspiracy theories and chill night. So it's a good night for you to be able to make it. Oh, I'm glad to see you here too, Samuel. We're going to be getting into conspiracy theories and chill in just a minute. So hold on. Lolly says that she's seen in the comment sections that the Jewish women are you talking about in the protests at the Capitol. We're wearing garb that only men are allowed to wear. Hmm. Hey, Drew. Good to see you. I'm glad you could make it. There's a couple other stories I want to get into with you. Just real quick, right? So a dad has filed a $35 million lawsuit against Pfizer over his 17-year-old son's vaccine death. So his son got the vaccine, died a sudden death because of it. He's suing Pfizer for $35 million. So that's a good story. Uh, I hope that they settle with him and, and he gets a payout because... Not that it means anything. The loss that he suffered can't be replaced by money, but it's really the only thing these sick bastards understand. And another story I wanted to bring up real quick. There is a World Economic Forum whistleblower that is warning of a globalist plan to microchip the population. Something we already know about, but I just felt it was noteworthy. So... A World Economic Forum whistleblower is warning of this plan now. And then last thing, and then we'll get into conspiracy theories and chill. There was an ammunition plant in Nebraska, a 150,000 square foot ammunition plant that exploded. Is this a coincidence or an attack on U.S. infrastructure? I don't know. It's interesting, though. So a huge ammunition plant in Nebraska exploded. The Hornady Manufacturing Plant, located near Grand Island, blew up. Luckily, only killing three people could have been much worse. But the facility is 150,000 square feet in size. But the timing of the explosion is curious, especially since the Biden regime regime has been calling for stricter ammunition laws in the United States. So this could cause ammunition shortages. But I just wanted to bring up those stories. But like I said, it's Wednesday night. So we need to get into conspiracy theories and chill. There's a ton going on. Where's that? I just saw that. Yes, Ty. Look. There's too much going on. It's suspicious. It's suspicious. I've been talking about this for a long time. How we do the news every Monday night. We don't repeat stories. We don't touch back on topics. We don't go back and, and oh, here's the update on this story. It's a brand new agenda every fucking week. Man. Things are moving too rapidly. Huge changes. Big things. Good. Jones says Pfizer is going bankrupt and suffering because nobody's buying the new jabs. Good. 
And we can say vaccine. Remember, we don't care if LifeLog goes down. Rumble's our main platform. We'll be good over there. there. There's no censorship on Rumble. And hey, Marvin is here on Rumble too. Good to see some people on Rumble. That is important to support the free speech platform. But if you're ready, I've done enough lollygagging. As Robert would say, get to it. It's Wednesday night. And on Wednesday nights, we do conspiracy theories and chill. And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And there were Nephilim in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now those passages are from Genesis 6, from chapters 1 through 5, and it is explaining God's reasons for wiping out all of humanity with the great flood. See, the Nephilim, which in Hebrew means fallen ones, had bred with human women, and created a crossbreed species of giant humans which resembled neither parent and their existence was found to be an offense against God so severe that all of humanity had to be eliminated as a result. Now these Nephilim or fallen ones are mentioned many times in the Bible but that's not the only place where you will find giants in history and mythology. In fact nearly every culture references strange giant beings and as mentioned in Genesis 6, in all of these tales, these giants lorded over us mere mortals and were held in very high regard and even seen as living gods in many cases. So tonight on Conspiracy Theories and Chill, we're going to look into the Nephilim and discuss whether or not these giant beings have ever or maybe even still do walk this earth. And if they do exist, we're going to discuss what we think they might be. So stick around for the discussion and please like and share this video and remember to subscribe to our channel. Make sure to click the little bell so that you'll get notified when we post new videos and be sure to comment below. Take part in the discussion and let us know what you think. But as I said before, the Bible mentions Nephilim many times and while we could spend all of our time on just the biblical theories and tales of Nephilim walking this earth and explore what the Bible says that these beings are, 
And we will do that, but I wanted to try, as we always do, to incorporate as many theories and ideas on these giant beings having existed alongside us throughout history as we possibly could, and then break it all down after presenting the various sides. And there are many tales from history and various cultures and mythology throughout history and time to pull from about giants walking among us. But let's begin with the oldest society to heavily mention these beings in their texts the ancient Sumerians. Sumer is a historical region of the Middle East, the southern part of ancient Mesopotamia, between the alluvial plains of the Euphrates and Tigris rivers. And the Sumerian civilization is considered, according to many authors and researchers, to be one of the oldest civilizations on the surface of the planet. In fact, the ancient Sumerians were the first people who started building actually organized cities laid out using city grids like we see in modern day cities around the world. And the ancient inhabitants of Mesopotamia invented sewer systems, cobblestones frequently used in the pavement of early streets, and they were also skilled in the art of agriculture. But most importantly, they were the first civilization that invented the first known writing system by using the cuneiform script on clay tablets. Now all of this cultural boom for the Sumerians came basically out of nowhere. No one can explain how they made these advancements or even the origin of the Sumerian people. Experts cannot even agree where these people came from. But the Sumerians extensively told their side of this tale, and it is well-documented mythology, but people reject it because the Sumerians attribute all of this accomplishment to the leadership that was provided to them by their otherworldly god-kings. Many tablets and cuneiform writings from the Sumerians have been found that describe this, and one of the most valuable artifacts that have been discovered from the Sumerian civilization is the Sumerian King's List. Now this ancient text describes in great detail a time when earth was ruled by beings referred to as gods for thousands of years. Now the list composed in ancient Sumerian offers details about numerous generations of kings that ruled over the land of ancient summer. The list not only offers us their names, but it details their supposed link of rule and location of kingship. For example, from the tablet, Alulium became king, and he ruled for 28,800 years. Alajahar ruled for 36,000 years. Two kings, they ruled for 64,800 years. Then Eridug fell, and the kingship was taken to Bad Tibaria. In Bad Tibaria, Enmenluana ruled for 43,200 years. Now they called these gods the Anunnaki, and they claim that they came to Earth from the planet Nuburu. So real quickly, let's get into the Sumerian ancient aliens theory of the Anunnaki gods. Now in the ancient astronaut theory, thousands of years ago, before recorded history, our planet was visited by astronauts from another world. Extremely advanced beings with technology beyond our own today came to Earth and helped kickstart modern civilization. And in the 19th century, archaeologists exploring the ancient ruins of Nineveh discovered 22,000 clay tablets. After translation, these tablets showed amazing similar stories to those found in the Judeo-Christian Bible. For example, we find stories of the Great Flood on these tablets, and we even can read of Adam and Eve. So all of these biblical stories seem to have precedence with the ancient Sumerians. And in 1976, author Zechariah Sitchin 
published his personal translations of the Sumerian text in a series of books called the Earth Chronicles. And according to Sitchin, the clay tablets describe an alien race known as the Anunnaki, who came to Earth to mine gold. Sitchin suggests that these extraterrestrials visited Earth in the past because their home planet needed gold to survive, and the gold deposits in their own atmosphere were depleting, so they came here to the Earth and mined and took it back to their planet in order to save it. Now today, numerous authors and researchers actually believe that Sitchin was right, despite the fact that mainstream scholars completely disagree with his theories. But ancient astronaut theorists agree that based on numerous archaeological discoveries, artifacts, records, and monuments found in the past by experts, that this Anunnaki civilization was an extremely advanced one from an elusive planet in our solar system that came to the Earth, landing in the Persian Gulf area some 432,000 years ago. Next, we'll talk a little bit about the Egyptians. Throughout Egypt's past, there have been numerous examples of much taller giants being reported, excavated, and depicted in art and mummified examples that have been hidden from the public. They are said to have uncovered accounts ranging from between 7 feet and 16 feet tall. Painstaking research of archaeological records, archaic texts, newspapers, and analysis of depictions of hieroglyphics and Egyptian art has started to shed some light on this phenomenon. In fact, the whole area of the Middle East has strong legends of giant humans, along with references in the Bible which include Moses fleeing from Egypt and being attacked by the mighty Canaanites in current-day Israel and Lebanon. Newspaper accounts confirm the reality of these tribes, and skeletons and bones of enormous proportions have been unearthed in this area of the biblical lands and also in other parts of Africa and the Middle East. There has even been discoveries of giant skeletons reported in America and other parts of the world, and this has revealed a lost legacy of race called Colossi, who are now slowly starting to be included in historical and archaeological record. But as I said, Egypt is no exception. There are even theories that these giants helped build the pyramids. The Akbar al-Zaman, also known as the Book of Wonders is an Arabian compilation of medieval lore about Egypt and the world before the Great Flood, and it claims that the people of Ad were giants. So Shadad was most likely one, and it is said that he built the monuments of Dashar with the stones that had been carved in the time of his father. And before this, the giant Harjit had begun its construction, and at a later date, Kaftaram, another giant, placed secrets in the pyramids of Dashar and other pyramids to imitate what had been done of old, and he founded the city of Dendara. Dashar consists of the Red Pyramid and Bent Pyramid, constructed during the raid of Pharaoh Senufru, 2613 to 2589 BC. And Dendara consists of highly decorated pillars dedicated to the goddess Hathor. Now the Book of Wonders goes on to say that Nagros, the first king of Egypt after the flood, with his companions, built monuments and erected high towers and executed the wonderful works, while the city of Memphis was the work of a later set of giants who worked for King Mizraim, another giant. Even later still, it describes the work of more of these colossi. Adim was a giant with insurmountable strength and the greatest of men. He ordered the quarrying of rocks and their transportation to build the pyramids, as had been done in former times. 
It is even theorized that the followers of Horus may have been giants. The followers of Horus, who are said to have created the primordial mound at Giza, long before the pharaohs built the first pyramids, are sometimes recorded as giants. Early archaeological excavations in Egypt point to that reality. Towards the end of the 4th millennium BC, the people known as the Disciples of Horus appear as a highly dominant aristocracy that govern Egypt entirely. The theory of the existence of this race is supported by the discovery in the predynastic tombs in the northern part of Higher Egypt of the anatomical remains of individuals with bigger skulls and builds than the native population, with so, so much difference to exclude any hypothetical common racial strain. In fact, Professor Walter B. Emery was the Egyptologist who excavated Sagara in the 1930s and discovered the predynastic remains there. These remains had skulls larger than those of the local ethnic group and had a taller and heavier build. Emery claimed that the stock wasn't indigenous to Egypt, but had performed an important sacerdotal and governmental role in the country, but claimed that this group had kept its distance from the common people, blending only with the aristocratic classes, and was thought to be part of the Shemshi Hor, or the Disciples of Horus. Another society that famously spoke of giant creatures is the ancient Greeks and Romans. Now, the ancient Greeks and Romans had many tales of giant creatures, and as we all know, also worshipped multiple gods, and it seemed that their giants were given status under that of these gods. The giants or gigantes were a race of great strength, but not necessarily great size, that were born of the blood that fell onto the earth from the titan goddess Gaia, when the titan Uranus was castrated by his son Cronus. Now these giants were often confused with the titans, who were a previous set of offspring by Uranus and Gaia. And just like the titans who fought the Olympians during the Titanomachy, the giants also fought Zeus and the other gods during the Gigantomachy. The Gigantomachy was probably considered the most important war among the gods in Greek mythology, as it was depicted in a vast number of vases that have been found. The most detailed description that has survived belongs to Apollodorus, a mythographer of the 1st or 2nd century AD. In this description, it is not mentioned why the war took place. However, it ended with the defeat of the giants. And the rule of the Olympians over the giants probably symbolized the rule over chaos in ancient Greece. Some of the famous giants from Greek mythology were Encladius, Eurymedon, who was king of the giants, and Porphyron, who was said to be the greatest of the giants, who died when Zeus threw a thunderbolt against him. There have also been a lot of interesting archaeological finds throughout time and history. Now I'd like to talk about a few of these, and I want to start with the Hyperborean Gallery. Now the Hyperborean Gallery, or Gallery 13, is the name that this discovery is known by, and it was made in an area beneath the Cornea village. A number of other discoveries were also made at this site, but since this discovery and this site was deemed so unusual and shocking for the time, the gallery was permanently sealed. And there were many interesting items found inside the gallery, but one in particular was a 10 meter tall skeleton of a giant 
Now, apparently the giant had been buried there after his death with his legs gathered on one side. Lacking the proper equipment necessary to analyze such a find, the skeleton was sent to Moscow, but nothing has been reported about the giant ever since. There was also a tombstone found. This relic dug up was measured to be 6 meters wide, 12 meters long, and 3 meters tall. It weighed almost 1,700 tons and contained somewhere around 900 tons of solid gold. To make a comparison, such a quantity of gold would have required over 20 years of mining work to gather. The last little detail about the gravestone is that it had been cut up into 80 smaller pieces in order to make transportation possible. It's not known where its destination was meant to be because it remains where it lies today. But there were photos taken in Gallery 13 before it was sealed off that were sent to a paleolinguist who noticed emerald green bass relief writing covering the entire surface of the artifacts. The text was written in three parallel rows which started in the upper left. From there the writing descended diagonally similar to a serpent and formed a spiral around a wolf head. Finally the script ended in a lower right corner. The paleolinguist speculated that the unknown writing could be Pelagian and that this discovery with its markings and writing clearly possessed great cultural and historical value. Nevertheless, the gravestone was cut and melted down. The state obtained a share of 19 pieces or 31% of the structure. The vast majority of this structure, I couldn't find information on who profited from that gold. But ultimately, the army sealed the entry to the pit as well as the entire Gallery 13 with cement. And those present have never talked about these discoveries again as they have been made to sign confidentiality agreements. So what lies beyond the staircase of the pit remains a mystery. There have also been many great discoveries in Romania. For example, it was found in Ardagava. King Burabista had his first city before he unified the Dacian tribes of the area. Yet an even more interesting discovery was made between the years 1940 and 50. In this period, archaeologists are said to have unearthed 80 humanoid skeletons, which appeared to be giants. These huge skeletons measured about 4 to 5 meters or 13 to 16 feet in height. In fact, giant skeletons have been unearthed in other parts of the country as well. One other example, in October of 1989, 20 of these skeletons were found in Pantalimon, Labada. Other such discoveries have been unearthed at Palavragi, at Sentani, and beneath Nugru Vodo Monastery and in the Busigi Mountains, where the existence of a network of underground tunnels surprised workers. Skeletons of giants have also been discovered in many places around Romania. To get more to the point, giants have been discovered in many places in Romania. In Mara Mirrors, the fortress of Oncesti was believed to be the home of the giants. At Argadava, giants with the height over 5 meters, 16 feet, have been discovered in 80 graves, although most are suddenly lost after being discovered. The secret Romanian giants continue to be unearthed to this day. There are evidence of these giant skeletons being unearthed everywhere, not just Romania, although it happens to be very rampant there. But a U.S. Supreme Court ruling forced the Smithsonian Institution to release classified papers dating from the early 1900s 
that proved that the organization was involved in a major historical cover-up. The cover-up alleges that they destroyed evidence showing giant human remains in the tens of thousands that have been uncovered all across America. It's said that the pieces of evidence were ordered to be destroyed by high-level administrators to protect the mainstream chronology of human evolution at the time. A spokesman for the American Institution of Alternative Archaeology said that there has been a major cover-up by Western archaeological institutions since the early 1900s to make us believe that America was first colonized by Asian peoples migrating through the Bering Strait 15,000 years ago, when in fact there are hundreds of thousands of burial mounds all over America which the natives claims were there long time before them that show traces of a highly developed civilization complex use of metal alloys and giant human skeleton remains are frequently found but still go unreported in the media and news outlets so as you can see there is plenty of evidence of giants having walked among us and we only talked about a few examples of this in different cultures and we briefly discussed historical and archaeological discoveries that also feed into these theories and again, we found scientism hiding true history from the masses in an interest to protect the narrative and the history that they have created. And we also discussed what these beings were thought to have been by some of these different societies throughout time. But what do I personally think about the Nephilim? What is my personal theory and thoughts on the Nephilim? Well, I will tell you, but remember to let me know what you think about the Nephilim in the comments section below. I want to hear from you guys. But as you know, I don't speak about it very often, but I am a Christian. I am a believer. And what I believe about the Nephilim is basically what the Bible tells us. These are the fallen. Other mythologies, including the Sumerians, refer to them as otherworldly beings, and I think that that's what they are. I think they're other-dimensional, though. I don't think they're from outer space. I believe that these were the fallen angels that fell from heaven. And I believe that they bred with human women and created a race of giant beings. And I believe that these beings exist today. In fact, I believe there will be a great disclosure event where they will show these beings to us and they will walk among us. They will present them as aliens, but they will present these beings to us. And I believe we will see them. And I believe they orchestrate things from behind the curtain to this day, much in the way that the Egyptians believed that these giants would only associate with the wealthiest, the aristocrats. But I do believe that they are the fallen and their offspring. And I believe it is hidden. I think it is known about and hidden from the people. But thanks for watching this video and remember to like, share and subscribe. All right, so that was the video on the Nephilim. And that was our topic that we were getting into tonight. But it feeds into other topics. It, it, it actually ties into some stuff that's coming up. But it has to do with Tartarian architecture, like what Joan's talking about. Where she's, those old buildings, you know, with the giant doors. These huge doors. Giant staircases. All these old style Tartarian ancient you know these buildings that just seem out of place you know what i'm talking about they all have the same characteristics and they're all built to at least accommodate 
very large individuals. But how did they hang those doors? But there's this too. So a lot of animals in the past were much larger than they are today. So were humans much larger? You know, Tati, she's a descendant of Sasquatch. Joan mentioned Bigfoot earlier. So do you think that Bigfoot is a Nephilim? I, I can't find Joan. Yeah, here it is. Do you think that old Bigfoot's a Nephilim? I remember when we would have Triple P on and we were talking about how maybe Bigfoot could slip in and out of dimensions. Was maybe interdimensional. Ty says that the age of Aquarius has already happened. And technically, we are in the return of Saturn, but it must, must contest with Pluto entering its home sign of Aquarius. That's very different from what I found. What I found was that, well, it, it just says, is 2023 the age of Aquarius? When is the age of Aquarius? A great age, as mentioned above, is associated with the position of March equinox. In 2023, the location of the sun in the March equinox is in the constellation of Pisces, but also on the border of Aquarius. So we are slowly moving into a new age from Pisces to Aquarius. But looks like Ty saying something different. The Nephilim? Joan's asking why couldn't they still have survived in remote areas or underground? I'm not saying they didn't. You know, the Bible is clear that there were Nephilim in those days, the days of the flood, and after. I'm pretty sure on that. I have some scripture in front of me here. If I just go look, maybe I'll find out, but I'm pretty sure that's what it says. So... According to biblical beliefs, so the, the word Nephilim means fallen ones or giants and is used in Genesis 6, 1 through 4 to describe the offspring of a sexual union between the sons of God and the daughters of men. Now, there are many debates over what that means because some people have uh, postulated that the sons of God were from the line of Abel while the daughters of men were the offspring of Cain. But, you know, I believe, as many do, that this is talking about actual fallen angels breeding with human women and creating abominations. But that, that helped them have ownership to the earth, because they don't. They don't have claim to the earth. They need us for that they have to use us for that and and these nephilim allowed them that claim you know through them through their offspring they would have claim to the earth because only humans do in my opinion is what they did it for but 
The unnatural sexual union is said to have produced strange offspring, which were described as heroes of old and men of renown. And these heroes of old were also called Nephilim. Other biblical stories about giants such as Goliath suggest that these were a race of both very large and very strong men. Hebraic legends in the book of Enoch and other extra-biblical texts also talk about the Nephilim as a race of giants who were able to do amazing things, but also performed acts of great evil. But what do you think? What do you think the motive was for creating the Nephilim? What, is it just something that happened? So it says that the sons of God found the daughters of men attractive and, and, and chose them as wives and bred with them. So is it just that they thought they were attractive and couldn't help themselves and it just happened? Or was there a plan behind it? Was there an agenda behind breeding with human women? See, I don't know if Jan is talking about Sasquatch or Nephilim here. Maybe both. She says they live underground and in the mountains. A lot of people spot them in mountain areas. Do you think I'm on to anything with laying claim to the earth? That they would get to, to usurp some kind of claim through their offspring? I don't know. Maybe I'm making a stretch there. It made sense to me. Because they can't, they don't have authority. But, you know, according to the Bible, it was one of the main reasons God had to flood the earth. Because of what they were doing. They were doing more than just breeding with human women and creating offspring. They were also manipulating DNA of animals and creating mutants. So. I know that they supposedly found, they found a tomb of a giant. And I think it was in Iraq. But I didn't hear anything about them killing one in Afghanistan. Joan had said, didn't the military kill a Nephilim in Afghanistan? But they also did more than that. They, you know, the, the fall in any way. She was saying it would have been a huge sin to change DNA by interbreeding. They also taught humans all this forbidden knowledge and things they weren't supposed to be messing with. And then there was this, which I thought was interesting. I just wanted to bring it up. So this particular biblical site on Nephilim uh, was questioning, is there anything that prevents demons from making more Nephilim today? So, they say from the passage in Jude, we can assume that the angels who committed this sin originally are being held in the abyss. Jude verse 6 tells us, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, 
he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Not all demons are in this prison, but only the ones who mated with human females. Assumedly, this was a group that went beyond the others in their commitment to evil. And it does not necessarily mean that others could not follow suit, but as with all things, it would have to be allowed by God and part of the ultimate plan to redeem humanity and glorify himself as they put forth. So what do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Can they still breed with human women? I think it is technology, Jan. I think it, it has a lot to do with this Tartarian Empire and all the things that were going on that are hidden from us in, uh, in all the hidden history. The lies that they sell the bullshit history to cover up, like the fake story of Egypt and all of that. Okay. Is this who you're talking about in Afghanistan, Samuel? Giant of Kandahar? I'm going to have to look that up. So, Giant of Kandahar... Okay. I found something. So let's see. Oh, I hate this. Every site now tries to stop you if you have an ad blocker. Every site. And YouTube's doing it now, too. Okay. During the war, many members of the U.S. military and coalition would encounter activity that would defy normality. UFOs, cryptids, and ghosts. Many bore witness to the immense and immeasurable mystery of Afghanistan. And what they witnessed is often kept close to the heart, be it terrifying or truly incredible. Chief among those terrifying encounters was a 2002 incident with the giant of Kandahar, a biblical cryptic creature that special forces stumbled upon as the giant was doing giant things like cooking giant food and minding his giant business. So according to accounts, the giant of Kandahar, who is said to be responsible for an entire patrol going missing, stood a towering 13 feet tall. It sported a shock of flaming red hair, had six fingers on each hand, and two rows of teeth. Upon contact, the giant purportedly killed one U.S. service member with a spear, only to be vanquished by the rest of the unit, courtesy of 30 seconds of sustained gunfire. As the story goes, the soldiers loaded the giant's corpse onto a helicopter, and it was never seen again. What do you think? What's written in Enoch Babel's? The giant of Kandahar? That's an interesting story. I had never heard that one before. It was on Coast to Coast AM radio by Relay Bell. Late great Art Bell. There are many accounts of soldiers who have reported seeing massive humanoids that tower over the normal man in Afghanistan. These stories are out there. That's crazy. I didn't know that. It's an interesting story. Thank you, Samuel. 
They all had red hair. All the giants. They were gingers. You know what they say about gingers? They're awesome. That's what they say. That's what that's what I heard. I heard gingers are awesome. I saw somebody earlier. I think she was talking about that protest at the Capitol. She said, watch Kat Kamek. It was Palestinians that did this insurrection. Palestinians. But even then, how did they do it? How did they get that done? How did they get in there and assemble and pull that off? I'm really curious about that little protest. Seems very suspicious to me. Well, what else is on you guys' mind? Anything conspiracy theory-wise? I got some stuff written down here. So, I was talking about how that ties in with Tartaria. And something else that I'm trying to get into. I'm actually thinking now that I need to make an actual video on just one of our own mini-docs. And, and dig into this the orphan trains you know with with the mud floods and all that we got into how we believe that these structures these buildings that don't fit that seem out of place that i call tartarian but i'm just using that for lack of a better word we're already there and they found them sometimes found whole cities you know, in that series, we covered all these different pictures of empty cities. You know, panoramic views of huge cities, no people. Then all of a sudden, years later, bustling with people. Well, how'd they fill those cities? Where'd all the people come from? We're going to get into that with the orphan trains. This is a fascinating story. And one of the ways I think that they populated the world the, the, well, the country as we know it, not the world, our world. And filled all these places with these orphan children. These, these orphan trains are fascinating stories. Just thousands, tens of thousands of kids being moved across the country on trains. We're going to get into all that and, and tie it all together. I think in a full length video. So I'm going to be working on that. I was looking into it and it's just, it's too big, you know, it's too big to kind of gloss over. We're going to really have to dig into it because I think it ties into other things. Like at these world's fairs, they would have like baby farms. Look that up. So just thousands of incubators full of babies on display weird shit at the same time you've got trains with tens of thousands of children on it being moved around the, it's very very suspicious what was going on during that time all this technology being rolled out at these world fairs the hidden structures and suspicious movement of children it's a lot to get into so we're going to cover that coming up Joan says she thinks the new incubation pods are to get ready to make more babies to repopulate the world after this mess we're in is over. Maybe. 
Is that right? Rh negative blood types are said to be related to and descendants of the Nephilim. And Babus has a cousin with an Rh blood type. Wow. I did not know that. Either of those things. That's all knowledge, new knowledge to me. Joan's mother was Rh negative. Well, so that's what's coming up on Conspiracy Theories and Chill. And what's coming up Friday night is Yankee Rants. So come back for that. And uh, I might have an announcement for you. I'm working out some details. So I might have an announcement, something to, something to let you know about on Friday. Uh, you'll come back for that. But thanks for watching tonight. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for participating. Thanks for... Smashing them shits. I know you did that. I know you hit that like button and shared this out. But have a great rest of your evening and God bless.